Hello and welcome to the Root Simple Podcast. We're the audio companion to the Root Simple blog, where we cover gardening, home economics, and DIY living. This show is hosted by myself, Eric Knudsen, and Kelly Coyne. Kelly is off this week. We are the authors of The Urban Homestead and Making It, Radical Home Ec for a Post-Consumer World. Our topic this week on the Root Simple Podcast is using digital tools, and we have a special guest. This is John Zaff, who is a designer, architectural renderer, thought stylist. Help me out here, John. Yeah, yeah, I'm all is of those right? things. All yeah, of those things. Man about town, uh, Clifton oh, Farms compound. Clifton Farms compound. Owner, owner. Of, owner, a fellow owner of a crazy hilltop house like us but twice as crazy because you have twice as many steps up to this place exactly that's the metric we use uh some of the people who read the blog may be familiar with john's chicken coop design work helping out with the chicken coop and quite a few other projects around the house my but greatest architectural greatest architectural experience yeah so far uh, but what we thought today, we talked today about is using the sorts of high-tech tools that you use, John, all the time around your humble compound, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All right. So let's begin with that. So tell me, John, about some of the uh, projects that you've, you know, because you do, I mean, first of all, we should say that you do professional level renderings, quite elaborate ones, huge buildings and complexes and things like that, right? For, right. For so, I mean, firms. I used to work as an architect and then started my own company doing architectural renderings. So, you know, using 3D tools is kind of my stock and trade on a daily basis. Um, but I've always been kind of a mess around with things around the house kind of guy. You're handy. I'm handy a handy guy. I'm right. a handy guy. Exactly. It's not just screen time. Uh, right. Not professional. Handy, which is a, a double-edged sword, of course. But uh, you've used the same technology for some very... S- you know, sort of, I shouldn't say simple projects around the house, but for a lot of stuff around the house, you want to talk about some of the things that you've, uh, you've rendered 3d and then actually, you know, manifested physically here. Well, yeah, actually I remember before I got into architecture school, the first thing I ever drew plans for was an, an armoire TV entertainment center. And I realized the, uh, the benefit of actually drawing what it is you're going to do as opposed to like going down to home Depot and buying 20 sticks of two by fours and cobbling it together. So one, when you, when you plan something ahead, of course you save money, you save materials and you can also refine, uh, your design process, which is not to say just like approaching something like tabula rasa, uh, is not a great experience, but, um, you can save yourself, like I said, time, money, headache, if you use the tools around you. And, uh, you've been talking on your podcast about architectural graphic standards and some of the resources out there, uh, that just make building stuff around your house quite easy. Measure twice, cut once, basically. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we've both done the stupid trips to Home Depot where we buy a bunch of stuff and think that we can plan it out in the aisle. And then we get home and, right? I have a full shed full of the detritus of said things that I I then buy again because I can't find that set of bolts I never used. But, um, yeah, the stuff I built around the house, I did, um, I mean, I I used to have an office in Koreatown at the Wiltern, at the Wiltern. And, uh, I wanted to design a desk and, uh, tables for my office. And so I drafted those out in uh, AutoCAD, which is a, you know, 2D 
CAD drafting platform, although now it's 3D. And uh, I took that to a CNC fabricator, and they took uh, my plywood sheets that I had bought and then cut it out. So in a way, it's a, it's a CNC is computer numerically controlled, and then whatever it is, whether it's a milling machine or a router. So pretty much the stuff I've done have has been um, just generating 2D forms that I then build into, like you know, a countertop is going to stay 2D, but if you're going to build a table, then you're going to do the top and then the legs. So, but it's basically a 2D object. Um, right. And we'll get into CNC a little bit later, but just to back up for a second. So you've, you know, the table is one example. I know you've done a lot of kitchen countertops. Yeah, I did kitchen countertops and, in it, which is really nice. Um, and, and the table, we were just sitting by outside a small kind of coffee table. Mm-hmm. And of and course, cat bed seven. Cat Bed 7. What is Cat Bed 7? Cat Bed 7 is, uh, is one, uh, an ode to my, <laughs> my wonderful relationship and uh, at our time, uh, seven cats. And so wanted to do a new bed. Uh, my girlfriend moved in. And so I 3D designed this bed, which is kind of like 70s spaceship-inspired novel cover i mean it's, it's totally pimped out. There's yeah. lights built in and things oh, yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the uh, phone-controlled hue lights Phone in the top con- wow yeah i didn't know that detail that's, that's easy yeah and uh does it change yeah. colors it does wow and there's a headboard so definitely mood appropriate if need be <laughs> uh and then there's of course drawers three drawers underneath the bed which is a whole nother topic on on actually hiring someone that knows how to do real cabinetry work <laughs> because that was tough. But they ended up working out in the end, yeah. They did. It took me quite a while to get them to slide in and out, right? One of the interesting things about those drawers, though, is that they're they're a shape that, well, it's an unusual shape, right? That you would only be able to, to get maybe digitally and then have well, a computer think, basically route out? The, no. I, I think just like the, any countertop, I, I used to do marble and granite fabrication, and we cut all our stuff out by hand. And this was during the transition from computer controlled edge polishers and curve cutting of, you know, granite and marble. And we did it all by hand. And it was funny to see how customers no longer uh, would accept things finished by hand, even Mm -hmm. at a very high level of craftsmanship. So any kind of wavering in the reflective surface was deemed now unprofessional. Hmm. And so uh, we actually, towards the end of of our career in that, uh, we're getting jobs denied because it didn't have that laser finish because a, a computer and a machine is going to give you a very exact curve or an exact line. So one thing that is cool about the CNC, even if you were doing stuff that you could, and we'll talk about this when, when I talk about kind of low tech CNC, you know, we don't all have table saws. We don't have yeah, a large I don't. enough. You, you don't right. have a table saw either, right? I do. I have a mini one, okay. um, but it's also, you need room to use. A table saw. So the nice thing about the CNC technology is is you can design something on your computer, send it off to a fabricator, and they'll cut it out. And of course, you could cut a lot of that stuff out by hand. It won't be as exact, but you know you'd have to set up guides and jigs, and a lot of that stuff ends up being what really being a good carpenter is about. And uh, so, in a way, it kind of brings some design tools to the to the average Joe for better or for worse. Right. And I, I think the first project that I did, which you helped 
uh, a lot with, which was which was the chicken coop. This was when it was an aha moment for me because I don't know. I spent maybe a couple evenings learning SketchUp. It wasn't that hard, and you helped me with the design. I did it in SketchUp. I was able to go to Home Depot and get exactly what I needed. I think there was very little waste on that project. And then it ended up actually looking exactly like it did in the rendering. So I was able to send the rendering to you and your design expertise. We were able to kind of look at it and finesse a few things. And I I thought it was a great, it was a great process. It was a great learning process. Yeah, we also sketched by hand. Right. If you remember, so we you kind of you kind of show we right. did the, we did the the it was uh, a napkin. Actually. It was the napkin sketch, right. which Literally is the, uh, the, the yeah the architectural gold. Well, maybe we should move into the tools then. I know you wanted to say something first about just using pen and paper. Actually, using our brains first, right, and then pen and paper uh, before we get into some of the high tech tools because there's something to be said for pen and paper, right? Well, yeah, I, th- I think the the. The cool thing about a, an architecture degree is not necessarily the the opportunity to become an architect because I'm actually not licensed. Uh, I'm a designer and I do renderings mostly for money. Um, but it teaches you how to think a certain way. It teaches you how to design a certain way, which is why you you end up getting disgruntled architects in so many other fields. Um, right. Which is uh, right. Which is is cool. But um, I mean. You're talking you know, about sometimes like things I'll, like dimensions and right, or, making things look or, right. And Well, I mean, even starting off by like I, uh, we talked about thought styling. We're just, you and I are just chatting about an idea. Or maybe we write an idea down. Like we're just doing a, dis- a description of it. And then mm-hmm. maybe the next level is we're, is we're drawing it. We're actually, you know, just sketching on pad and paper. Um, and then, you know, another way of designing is, of course, physical models. Just like making stuff up out of paper, whatever. You don't have to have basswood or anything like that. But in a way, it's actually very interesting to do digital design and then also try to build it physically in a smaller scale because what you'll a lot of the problems you run into trying to build something physically at a smaller scale are the same things you're going to run into when you build it at a larger scale. So, and then, of course, there's, there's like 2D drafting uh, either by hand or digitally. And then there's 3D drafting or modeling um, and kind of concepting your ideas and then, you know, getting into actually fabricating them. Now, have, what, what have you used uh, physical models for around the house? I actually haven't really used that many physical models around the house. I started building a physical model of my own house and the topography. Which is just to be said is very complicated because this is a hillside. There's right, but a I subterranean got... garage. It's a little bit like our house, but actually more complicated because there's more land here and it's steeper. I and think. lots of retaining walls that are right. just dying to fall down the mountain. <laughs> that's so, another. Yeah, it's another podcast. Whole retaining wall podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, stuff like you can get you can get a site survey of your house and they'll put topo lines on the house which is lines they draw on a plan and then they'll put a number to it and then they'll have another line a curved line which represents with another number on it so if one is 89 the next one's 90 you know that there's a foot difference between any point on that line and any point Mm -hmm. on the other line and you know you can get cardboard use cardboard and just trace that stuff out and then cut those shapes out and then stack them up and you have an accurate representation of your hills. I mean, I would also tell people to really learn how to use a scale, like an architectural scale. So oh, that you when mean the, the sort of three-sided ruler. Yeah. And, and you can about? even, you can even just do it with a regular ruler. You can say just a quarter inch equals a foot, 
right? You want to draw on something because you'll also resolve a lot of problems by kind of drawing to scale once you've mm-hmm. sketched out the initial idea. Yeah, if you're afraid of the three, you know, the computer model uh, tools, you could you could use that. Or should right. people use that instead of their? Are there times when you might want to use that instead of using the computer? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's so quickly to just put ideas down with 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 pen and paper, mm-hmm. um, and uh, especially if you're just starting out in 3D, you can really burn a lot of time when you're just like, how do I get this one point to move in that direction? Right. When oh, in, yeah. in reality, yeah. that's that's two seconds with a pen and paper. Yeah, so. It's great to learn both, but they they both have their place. Should we talk about some of those uh, computer tools? What are some of the ones that that might be most accessible to a, a DIYer who's not a professional like yourself? Right. Um, I mean, I personally use a tool called Cinema 4D, which a lot of motion graphics people like. But basically, it's a, it's animation and it's a uh, it's a uh, polygonal modeling program um, and actually to talk about very quickly, like there's a difference between polygonal modeling and NURBS modeling and, uh, NURBS modeling is, is where, uh, you draw lines in your 3d program and they are mathematically perfect lines. Um, so they're formulaic and then you can link these lines to create very complex shapes. That is a program like Rhino does that or Katia or digital project. These like kind of almost aerospace like programs, um, programs that are available to to uh, other people are like SketchUp is free, which is uh, which which gets a bad rap in high tech design circles, but it really brought 3D to the masses, and it is a very useful tool. I know a lot of architects that actually I get a lot of SketchUp models for my clients, um, and it it is is quite a powerful tool. It's the free version is is a, is a powerful tool. The only difference between that and the paid version is you can export your model into different formats. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of other programs can read SketchUp files these days because of because it's market saturation. But yeah, it's a great tool to learn, and I would I would tell anybody to to try doing that if someone wants to get into learning a 3D program that can handle more complex shapes. I would say Rhino is the way to go um, because it is is a great program. It's not that expensive. I think you it said is, a couple hundred bucks, right? I think it's like 500 bucks. Um, it is the industry standard for, for doing CNC work. Um, mm. I, well, I won't say industry standard, but for architects and for furniture designers and stuff like that, people who actually do product design are going to use something like SolidWorks, which is a little bit more complex, but yeah, SketchUp and Rhino, if you I would start off in SketchUp. And then if you want to do some more complicated stuff, I would suggest getting into Rhino and both of them have a huge community of 3d models, tutorials and uh, free plugins. So right now the, can I do the CNC work with the free version of SketchUp? Um, you know, you can do CNC work with anything that can create like a 2d line. So what's actually also a program called illustrator, uh, can do that's an Adobe. It's an Adobe product. Anything that can do kind of like vector lines, like, Mm -hmm. um, you can, you, you you know, SketchUp is also a polygonal modeler, like Cinema 4D, what I use, which means every object it creates, it creates it out of triangles. So it's it's any curved surface is always going to be an approximation of the curve. Right. Right. And uh, depending upon the resolution of the triangles, like the, the more triangles, the more smooth the curve. But as you zoom in, it will always be tessellated. Um and you can do CNC or 3D printing from technologies like that. It's um, 
when you get into more complex objects, it, you run into problems. What's an example of an object where I'd have a problem with the with the free version of SketchUp? Like if you if you uh, if you took two different objects and you wanted to merge them together, let's say you you had like the teeth of a gear and then the spindle that the gear rides on. If those were made from two different objects and you kind of welded them together, the the place the points where those two objects meet, every single point has to align perfectly. Now in a program like Rhino, when you make that object and then you export it, that will be th that weld will be like a mathematical formula. It will be it'll be what they call watertight. The uh -huh. model will be watertight. On something like SketchUp or Cinema 4D, when you try to export a more complex object like that, it's going to be, you might have some gaps in the model. And when you try to 3D print that, it, what it does is it takes that object and it cuts it into many, many slices, mm -hmm. right? And then it prints each little slice. So when it, when it makes the machine code to print that object, it's almost like a, like a scanner. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to project like along pixely, that plane. jaggedy things. Yeah, and so like if there's any gaps in your model, then when you try to print it, it might start trying to print the internal parts you don't really need printed. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But if I'm just doing like a table and CNC routing it, I should be okay with with SketchUp, right? Yeah, I would I would actually stick with like something like AutoCAD Illustrator or Rhino for because it's so easy to learn just 2D line work in that. I would use SketchUp as more of a design tool for designing things around your house and whatnot. You can export out, but again, I would I would use something like Rhino for CNC work. Have you worked with the pro version of SketchUp? I can't remember. I have. And is that there's no real difference on it in far as far as tool sets go, but um, it's just the exporting. You can mode. export OBJ formats, or you can export uh, 3D Studio, which is also an industry standard for 3D modeling, both in like movie industry, CGI, um, architectural visualization. That's actually the program most people use. Now it should be said. Uh, you mentioned this before, but there's a lot of models that people can download that other people have done, which I've I've found useful. In SketchUp, I mean, there's a lot of junk out there too, but increasingly there's a lot of things around, kind of like around the homestead that you can you can download that right. are actually useful, useful things. I I only use stuff like that for if I'm designing something as like filler mm -hmm. to save time. Like let's say I have a room and I know I have an IKEA bookshelf right. and, I, and I want a space plan. I know someone's already modeled that bookshelf and I don't have to do that. Um, as far as finding models that are actually usable to make stuff out of, that's where things like MakerBots, I think, what is it called? Thingiverse website. They, there's a lot of people that have built a lot mm -hmm. of stuff um, to find something that's actually useful and productive around the house. Like I printed out um, a chalk holder for my chalk because I have a chalkboard in my kitchen to write down lists, you know, right. so little stuff. So, or I printed out my girlfriend, uh, 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 an iPhone case with her name etched in it, that kind of stuff. So oh, Eric and I were talking about this earlier. It's kind of like the bedazzling of your house and, you well, know. Well, so less than useful things. There's yeah, a lot of that out Less there. than useful. And I, and that's, I think that's the advent of any new technology. People are just trying to figure out how to kind of use it. They're playing with it. They're playing with it. Yeah. You know, so that it's not necessarily bad. Um, it's just that if you buy a 3D printer, you <laughs> the, the usefulness of it around your house is going to be uh, fair to middling depending yeah. upon what you want to do with it. 
Well, it's it's kind of like you don't let yeah don't let don't be a tool. The tool I think is the way Thoreau which put is it, extremely right? hard. It's very hard I mean, with it, that, uh, that I thing. I worked in architectural firms when they were first coming out with BIM, which is building information management modeling tools. And one of the early ones was um, ArchiCAD and by Graphisoft, I believe. And this was uh, something you could draft in 2D and it would make 3D objects. And then it had a library. And, and this is always the downside of libraries. When it's so easy to put in something that's already built, mm-hmm. it unless you're very rigorous it, it, and not lazy, it's just so much easier to do that than do something original. And not everything has to be original, let's be honest. Like windows are made in certain sizes. Most things are produced... Uh, orthogonally lumber is cut along a table saw everything comes out you know right angles interestingly enough not much in nature comes out as a right angle right you know so but this is of course the great architectural debate between you know formal generation and uh modernism and and, carving by hand carving by hand you know or bioengineering a house from a seed, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff we can talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't, we can get into the 3d printing, but I think what sold it for me recently was seeing, uh, Lee Jared who runs a, um, gray water design firm in town managed to 3d print some plumbing fittings that don't exist. Like you can't buy them over the counter and you always have to kind of hack them together and that convinced me that, oh, this might be a useful tool. But, of course, how often do I print out, you know, gray water parts at this point? Not Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's an amazing... Yeah, I mean, I think for someone that's kind of an at-home inventor, I think it's an amazing tool. Yeah, um, and something like that, I mean, uh, for, for... Let's say you want to produce 100 of these for people you know. Like, you have to charge accordingly. It's, of course, cheaper if you mass-produce them than you're mass-producing a plastic object in most likely China than shipping it over here. So for kind of one-off prototyping design, it's amazing. Uh, for actual, like... You know, I, I guess I guess the idea is is like three D printing becomes so so rampant and just every day that so many objects are printed like that that the, the economy is a scale change and you can actually produce limited runs of useful items both around the house and just in society in general. So you don't have to start dealing with those huge economies of scale and maybe there's less waste. You know, maybe there's quicker uh, iterations of design you know, and, and so things advance faster. Yeah. Well, let's, let's actually get back to some of that, some of the actual physical things you might fabricate using these software tools. And we talked about CNC before. Why don't, why don't you explain that again? What is CNC? And if I go to a CNC establishment, as I have with you on several errands, right. what would I, what would I see? Well, again, CNC is computer numerically controlled router or access or like three or five axis milling machine. It's like a big wood shop, right? It's a, a, yeah, it's a big wood shop and and a huge platform. And then a router that is placed on top of a table. It's basically got a drill bit that acts as a cutting tool. And it, you, you, you take your material, you register it on a point of this table. And, you know, you say this top left-hand point of the board is the top left-hand point of this drawing. And the bit knows where that point is. So then it's going to follow the line you give it. Yeah, it's just going to cut out that shape. Um, Now I send them the file, right? From my what do I have to do 
to prepare a file to send to a place like this? Well, one, you, you know, you would design your object. And when we're talking about SketchUp, let's say you want to design uh, a table or a chair and you're going to build it all out of like plywood or something like that. Right. So you're right. going to kind of 3D design your object and then you're going to take it apart and you're going to lay it all flat. And fit now, it on a four by eight sheet. Right? Fit it on a four by eight sheet. So maybe you have all these shapes and you know you're going to build it out of half inch. You're going to build it out of like half inch plywood or something like that. And I would recommend a decent quality plywood so that it's... You want to say something about that? I always like to go to Home Depot and get the cheap stuff, but you're always which getting is, the better stuff. Which is fine, except for it's not glued together that well. Right. right? It, so it when you start cutting apart. into it, yeah. it can kind of, its layers start peeling away. Yeah. So, uh, like a mid grade plywood is, is pretty, pretty good. Um, so you would take your objects, uh, you might then lay them all flat in your 3d program. And then maybe you actually in your 3d program, build a four by eight foot sheet of wood in your program. Then you lay your, your objects within that four by eight foot sheet. Cause that's standard dimensions for a plywood sheet. They do make some 10 foot long sheets and, uh, you basically, you would send that file to to the CNC uh, shop. And how much is it going to cost about for a, you know, cut a four by eight sheet into little bits? It's about uh, take, takes a machine about an hour to cut like a full four by eight foot sheet with a fair number of cuts and machine time ranges anywhere from like 70 to a hundred dollars an hour. So it's, it's actually not that bad when you consider I mean, you have to deliver the material or you could have the material delivered, but you could, you know, my, my, my bed, which had was four sheets cost me about $300. I mean, I got a fairly decent, decent price for it, but there, there, there is some kind of setup stuff you need to know how to, how to do. I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in, in certainly SketchUp is kind of like a mock-up design tool for you to show as far as like the CNC goes, like almost any shop can take anything you have and cut it out for you. But they, if uh, you can definitely save yourself some money by setting up the file properly because they will charge you uh, shop time. To you mean kinda... to, to change the format? Yeah, not like just the, the format, but um, uh, let's say you just gave them a bunch of shapes. They weren't laid out on oh. a four by eight foot sheet. Oh, you just sent them the, the if you just sent table them, yeah, or whatever. Or whatever. Even in 3D right. and said, hey, cut this all out for right. me. They're going to charge you for the time it takes it to deconstruct it digitally right. and then you know, figure out how to manufacture it. Like when I got my bed cut, I just gave the guy the four by eight foot digital sheet with the pieces on it. And, you know, I knew enough to, to offset the pieces like a half inch to an inch from the edge of the so, plywood. So all the, the edges of the plywood have to be offset a half inch. What about the internal cuts within? Well, the and that's, that's something I learned the hard way. Um, a lot of, shops will know to put little tabs in to hold the pieces in place. Cause a lot of these CNC tables have like a, it's like an air hockey table, but in reverse, it's got a vacuum. Oh, so it, it keeps the, the plywood suctioned to the table or some people will use double-sided tape and they'll stick it down and then remove it afterwards. And what happened is this, uh, the shop didn't do that. They didn't put tabs in, uh, and some of the pieces were small enough that the vacuum wasn't strong enough to hold it in place. So the pieces started wobbling around while it was being cut. So I got a number of damaged pieces back from the shop. So you, you have to be careful about that kind of stuff. 
So I shouldn't expect a shop to catch that. I've got to kind of be aware of that. Or is there some places, are they going to sort of spot that? When you I know, I think if file? you go looking around for a deal and you know a guy who knows a guy, you mm-hmm. know, you're... <laughs> right. Get what you pay for. You kind right? of get what you pay yeah. for, right? You go to a shop yeah. that's like, hey, listen, we, we do it all and this is what we charge. And I think you've, you know, you're, you're probably okay. Have you, you ever know, seen any online sort of guides to, to that tons. sort of stuff, like to where to put tabs and? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, this stuff? is the amazing thing about the internet is that it is it is as we've talked about your digital grandpa, and you can pretty much. I mean, there's especially with 3D, so many of the people, and especially the archviz field um, and design field, are self-taught um, because it's uh, that doesn't mean they necessarily have artistic talent, but the the ability to like use these tools i mean it's it's all out there for free right right well do you have I, we should put some pictures on the blog actually do you have some good pictures of like the cabinets and tables and stuff around here oh yeah yeah we should we should put that up there so people can see it you have a particular thing for this to kind of high level red plywood that i, I do really i do like. like the red euro ply yeah. and i like the uh, the kind of nice banding of the edge of the plywood it's right. it's pretty good right well, moving on, I think the last thing we wanted to talk about was um, 3D printing because you have a 3D printer here. Have you, uh, other than you mentioned the the um, phone cases and things like that, is there anything useful that you've, not to say that isn't useful, but uh, any things you're thinking about printing out? Well, I have to say that, you know, one, I didn't buy the 3D printer. Uh, it's on it, loan, right? It's on loan from yeah. my neighbor who doesn't really know 3d i was like oh yeah bring it over here man and so people like wow you have a 3d printer and i'm like yeah so i printed out a bunch of you know useless stuff around my house and um i mean the thing to know about a 3d printer and also the cnc stuff is that it's not like a fire and forget solution where you just you put your model in there and then you print it up like there are a lot of star trek you're saying it is not there are it it is the beginning of that it is (laughs) beginning of the hollow food server Mm -hmm. uh but it's not quite there yet um there is a lot of things to tweak back and forth like is uh basically what it does is it's got two it's basically like an inkjet printer right it's got a spool of weed whacker line and it presses that through a nozzle that looks a lot like a hot glue gun Right. And then that hot glue gun nozzle is basically attached to something that moves in the X, Y axis, i.e. just like across anywhere across a flat piece of paper. And then there's a platform and the platform moves up and down. So what this thing does is it extrudes hot plastic in a shape at like, you know, 0.3 millimeters. And then once it's done with that first layer, it moves down a layer. So you can already see that there's there's some potential for error. One, like, is the uh, is the stuff coming out of the plastic hot enough to bind to each other? Is the platform hot enough to get the model to stick to the platform? Mm-hmm. Is it too hot, and will it warp the model? By the nature of the way of the manufacturing, a lot of times the models, if you're building things to actually use around the house, like you're talking about these irrigation parts, it's going to be weak around that striated form. So this is not like a uh, an injected mold plastic thing and it's also you're printing plastic let's be <laughs> right you know let's be real we're adding um, more plastic to the world which is right. necessarily a good thing yeah but i mean if if you can actually save a part and you're not going out and buying something online and then like having it shipped to you i mean it's the, right yeah it's a it's an interesting technology you can do a lot of cool stuff with it but you will be fiddling with it you will not just buy a maker bot and start printing everything around your house you you will need to invest some time in it right 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 
Well, um, anything else that? Uh, oh, you're pointing at. Well, I wanted to talk of, you about, to talk about sitting in front of a computer. Well, there's that, but um, I wanted to talk about like uh, high tech CNC versus oh, yes, low tech CNC, right. and this that's is right. um, was uh, I was helping a friend, and we were we were kind of designing shelves uh, for her bedroom and doing a vanity, and I didn't necessarily want to spend the money on going to a CNC shop. So, how do you take this digital design technology? and use it without actually having to go and get a robot cut out your stuff. Um, so what we did is, and a lot of people have projectors in their house these days, oh. right? So this was an interesting thing. So, you know, we, we, uh, we designed it in 3D, then we laid it out flat, and then, uh, you know, so we had our 4 by 8 foot digital sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just a two-scale drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the pieces in it. And so I, I took the projector down to my garage and I projected it onto the wall and I put the four by eight foot plywood sheet up against the wall and it was projecting the pattern onto the four by eight foot sheet. Now, you're never going to get the projector to line up exactly perpendicular. I mean, it has to be ex- exactly correct because you want everything to scale, right? So how do right. you do it? Bring it into Photoshop. Right. And Photoshop allows you to warp the, the, the four by eight foot sheet. Right. Mm-hmm. You can do what they call free transform. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you're, you bring it, you bring your laptop down, you plug it into your projector, oh. you project onto the four by eight foot sheet. Then you take your digital sheet that's now in Photoshop. And then you just take the points of the, four the corners. Sh- yeah, and match them oh, that's to the four corners of your plywood sheet. And now, you know, you're square. Oh. at least within the tolerances of the four by eight foot sheet. Now you can go in and start tracing out those shapes. Oh. So now it's kind of like, you know, those old art projectors, right? right? Where exactly. you would just blow it up and put it on the wall. Yes. But now we've got this ability to just very easily in Photoshop do something mm. that, you know, it doesn't even like your, your plywood sheet could be like not totally off axis, but it doesn't have to be straight at all. Like it could be kind of wonky. And now in Photoshop, since you know that the digital sheet is correct and the, plywood sheets correct as long as you match those points then you trace it out you take it off you put it on your like saw horses and you cut it out with a scroll saw or whatever you want to cut it out with and a true it's not going to be as exact as a cnc machine but even with a cnc machine there's a lot of finishing to be done like some material cuts better some cuts worse there's always going to be a little bit of chatter which which is when the bit kind of bangs back and forth against the material and leaves little indentations. You're always going to have to sand those edges. I mean, that's that's one way to take, you know, these digital design tools that for the most part you can find free versions of almost anything you want to do. It might not have the whole tool set, like you can do an awful lot of sketchup. Rhino allows you to you know, have a 30 day free trial. There's also programs like Moy moment of inspiration, which is a very simple version of Rhino. That's like only $200. I mean, there's lots of things out there that you can use to kind of do your ideas. And then it should be said, I mean, most of the things I've done, like the, the chicken run was just all two by fours. So there wasn't even the need to, you know, project anything and sketch it out. It was just, it was just getting the dimensions that was super, useful so it made actually building it fast but then like we said before about going to home depot i knew exactly how much i needed and there was very little waste because of it yeah there's that and then also remember when you were first looking at that coop you just kind of drew an a-frame because that's what was in your mind right 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 and then we we looked at it in sketchup and we could see that because we'd already modeled your backyard to some degree 
we knew the fence line was right there. And that if we just made that back edge straight, you would get a whole lot more volume inside your chicken coop. Yeah, you, and this you immediately is, spotted a lot of wasted space, basically. Right. And but that's something that like like a tool like SketchUp or some of these these three D uh, tools that are like now available to anybody. You know, once you actually see it in like three dimensional space, it's a lot easier to understand. I mean, I, like the first year or two of architecture school is just learning how to get your brain around a 2d plan which almost i mean is still extremely useful and you need to know how to do but when you can show someone a 3d image of what it is you want to do they immediately get it they no longer have to like go through the mental games of trying to understand a two-dimensional plan which some people most people say they can do and it turns out actually most people can't uh, there's a trick to that. And, and on that note, I mean, there've been many times when I have a harebrained idea, I run it over here and then you immediately kind of go into 2d mode and spot those wasted spaces and those awkward spaces, which I think you can see, uh, better than I can. Do you, speaking of that, do you well, have that's any the five years of gut wrenching well, school? I know. Uh, any tips? I mean, maybe this is a dumb question. Maybe my final question here. Any tips for learning good design? Or is that just something that you have to go to school for and spend a couple of years working on? No, I mean, I, I was I was very surprised how poor most most architects are at art. And, and actually, uh, when I was in school, I thought, man, how are some of these morons ever going to be good architects? <laughs> and it turns out a lot of them are great and way more <laughs> successful than me because design and architecture is is so much, right? It's managing projects. It's managing costs. It's managing timelines. That's not necessarily design. That's just the the nuts and bolts of building anything in a real world and that it takes many people to do anything even mildly complex. So uh, there was lots of different areas for people to pursue with an architecture degree. But as for design goes, you know, I, I think people do have like an innate sense of, yeah, I was of design. Say that. Oh, well, partly, but also <laughs> partly it's, a lot of it's learned. Like I was mm. very lucky to grow up in Germany and England and across the United States. And like, I just got to see a lot of stuff, right. you know, and I think one of the best things you can do is just expose yourself to as much stuff as possible. Like yeah. you go traveling, look at, look at indigenous architecture, look at local architecture, look at famous architecture or design. And, and after that, like be true to what speaks to you. Yeah. You know, I remember being an art, I, I remember seeing beautiful Art Nouveau projects in Russia. Some of the, some just amazing organic mm-hmm. sculpted forms out of stone, wood, and, and going to a school that was mostly modernistic uh, like regional modernism. So Texas, right? Lots of limestone, lots of glass, lots of metal, everything pretty much straight. And they actually told me we're going to beat those curves out of you. And, uh, (laughs) it never quite, never quite happened with me. Um, that, I mean, stay true to what's, what speaks to you and see what kind of works. Um, because you can always walk into a house and kind of tell when (laughs) Mm -hmm. someone, Someone without a lot of design sensibility just kind of threw something together. And there, there's always a tame, out-of-work architect friend that you can drag over there's to your that. house That's right. and get a couple of good design pointers on. Or marry a, a, a fine artist. So that's right. the other tip I'd have for people But uh, with design problems. I think, we're, I think we're pretty much done here, unless there's something else, John. Yeah, one thing I did want to add uh, to go back a little bit was... Um, 
the value of actually doing the 3D rendering. And then you can sometimes you can put things into a photo of your backyard or your room or whatever you're trying to do. That's been useful for me too. Right, uh, compositing. Was, yeah, even actually just taking, um, you know, like one time I had this really dumb idea that I was going to put a yurt in the backyard. Oh, it's a beautiful idea. Right. Well, but wait a second. So I... I just picture you in a loincloth <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a Genghis Khan bow. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, Let's do make it. that happen. Yeah. But you could see you could uh, do a Photoshop rendering of the yurt and the loincloth and the bow, and you stick it in the backyard, which is what I I did minus the you know loincloth. loincloth. Yeah, and um, it looked horrible. Mm-hmm. I knew it instantly. Like yeah. I, I, maybe your backyard that would work, but mine it was like okay, there's all I could see all the wasted space because it's a round shape. I could see it just it didn't match the building. It was it was a nightmare. Yeah. So just that alone was was totally, you know, was worth it. Yeah. I mean, we were going to talk about the danger of sitting in front of a screen, oh, but yeah. we, we can actually... That's a whole other... We can leave that for a whole other podcast if you want, the, uh, the digital pitfall. Yeah, of ending up, I guess it would be sitting in front of the computer too long and not actually physically doing stuff. But you have a surfboard to sell, so... Yeah, uh, that's, that's true. All right, so Speaking. we'll sign off. So thank you, John. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, bye. That was John Zaff. You can see his design and rendering work at z-a-r.com. To leave a question for the Root Simple Podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are Root Simple on Twitter. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment for us in the iTunes store. We're also on Stitcher. And you can support the Root Simple podcast by buying a copy of one of our books through the Amazon links on our website. Our theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶